0: This is Texas Soccer Radio. Hello and welcome. My name is Kyle Mankey, joined as always with Larry Leathers here. Um, if you're a little confused on how we ended up on your podcast feed, we uh, are formerly known as Pitch Black the Podcast, um, RIP that name, um, served us well. Um, we'll get into more of that in just a second, but Larry, how are you doing, man? How's, how's your night going? I'm doing good tonight. I'm in the
1: middle of a 3-day weekend from work. So, this is it's it's a good time right now.
0: That's the way to go, man. Little midweek 3-day weekend.
1: I'm enjoying it, that's for sure. It's a good <laughs> break. It's a very good break.
0: Probably partially enjoying it because you're kicking my ass with Antonio Brown in fantasy football right now. But I digress. This is a soccer podcast after all, as you can tell by our name. Um, there's a little confusion on Twitter earlier, um, this week when, when we made that big switch. And I just want to assure people that as far as content goes, the podcast really isn't going to change that much. Um, we're still primarily going to be talking about USL, San Antonio FC, um, RGB, not necessarily from a fan standpoint, but, um, just kind of keeping an eye on what's going on down there. Um, and and, you know, things going on around Texas and around things that we can cover. So content wise, not a lot of change. Um, just wanted to kind of change the name up because, um, honestly, as nerdy and business like as this might sound, having soccer in your name helps when you're explaining what you do. (laughs) Uh, when I explain to people, yeah, I've got a pitch black podcast. Uh, it's a soccer podcast, uh, so changing the name helps a little bit in that realm. Uh, it helps with finding it uh, in search engines and all that stuff. So, um, a lot of reasons to change it, uh, but don't plan on changing the format too much. Don't plan on changing um, the topics or anything like that too much. We're still going to cover San Antonio FC. We're still going to get those interviews with players and coaches and everything else, uh, and then we'll we'll talk about whatever else is is going on and some other teams here around our area as well. So. Did I do a decent job explaining that, Larry? Was that too much? I think no. I
1: think it was perfect. I mean, it's it's a changing of the times, but you're still going to see the same programming out of us.
0: So it is a separation from two ten soccer dot com in a way. Uh, I still am helping to run that site. Um, there's going to be a team over there that's running that site, um, and the podcast is just going to kind of be its own thing. So. We're, we're floating out in nowhere. We don't have a homepage anymore other than on Podiant. Um, however, you can find us on Twitter at TX Soccer Radio. That is a new handle. So if you're not following us on Twitter already on that new handle, um, you do need to go ahead and find that. If you want to be up to date with all the latest on the podcast, again, it's at TX Soccer Radio. Uh, I'm sure I'll announce that about eight more times throughout the show as I forget. But, Moving on into the important stuff, into the soccer stuff, Uh, let's start with San Antonio FC as we try to do. Um, Not a lot going on this week, but we do have um, a, a little bit of an extension of something we mentioned last week where Billy Forbes last week we saw through social media was with LA Galaxy. Um, in their facilities and this week we saw him at FC Dallas in the FC Dallas facilities so Larry what do you make of that and as a fan how do you feel about that seeing kind of your franchise one of your franchise players um, you know looking at MLS clubs you know, like we talked about last
1: week, I, I, I've i expected it. It's going to happen. Billy's not going to be the last one. We may not know about all of them. Um, Billy's obviously put it out there on social media. It was actually mentioned by a friend commenting on there that he was going to be there for the rest of the offseason. So that's interesting. Maybe he's a little bit more serious about FC Dallas. Maybe they're a little bit more serious about him. Um, but I'm happy for him still. You know, he's it's good having – players from our team out there and making it into the MLS rosters potentially. Uh, it helps SAFC's name get out there more and, and makes things a little bit more legitimate when we've got players moving up from our, our level up to D one.
0: Yeah. It's, it's frustrating as a fan cause you want your players to do well, but if they do too well, then they're going to get scooped up by MLS clubs or uh, you know, mid division European clubs and that kind of stuff. So um, I, I'm happy for him. I mean, Obviously, I'd like to see him back in San Antonio for the right price, but um, you know, if, if he's getting a shot at MLS, it's hard to hate on that.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely nothing for him to pass up, and it's nothing really to be too upset about on our side other than, like you said, we'd like to have him here in San Antonio. He's done great things for our team, but congrats to him if he's moving on up.
0: And as far as watching other players, we really don't expect to hear or see too much at least for another couple weeks now that the USL season is over. Um, we'll probably start seeing that in the near future, but um, it, it looks like most of the players are just kind of enjoying their off season right now and getting to catch up with family and everything else. Um, one player that we did notice was in San Antonio still is Cesar Elizondo. Um, so that's always good. He's, he's got a little bit of a footprint here in San Antonio after all these years and be cool to have him back next year on, on San Antonio FC. Um, uh, other than that, haven't seen too much about players, you know, getting, uh, trials or or workouts with other teams, at least on social media or, or on the rumor mill. So we'll keep an eye out though. I'm sure we'll be seeing that a lot more over the next few weeks.
1: Yeah. Once, once, uh, MLS playoffs wrap up and they crown their champion. It'll probably ramp up here pretty quick after that.
0: Pretty sure MLS playoffs end in like February or March or something (laughs) like that. It feels like they go on forever, man.
1: (laughs) It's because they do. They go on way too
0: long. There's such a huge gap in between the games, too. It's, eh, whatever. Um, So the other little bit of SAFC news that we had was... um, not as groundbreaking, I don't think, but it it does kind of make you go, hmm. Um, did you want to take that one, Larry?
1: Sure. I actually, you know, I'm a season ticket holder. I sit in 108. And today I got an email from the club about their select a seat event going on where season ticket members can come in and make an appointment and look at all of the available seats in the stadium in case they want to move from the current seats they subscribe to. And, surprisingly enough, I haven't seen it before in any of the other emails, but this one at the very bottom, it said that if you had any questions or concerns to call at a phone number that was – I think it was one something something 5 mls And, you know, obviously – the MLS stuff going on, it was a little curious seeing that at the bottom of the email. Maybe we're still have some secret push behind the scenes. I don't really know. Just something that caught my eye and I thought was a little curious.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I remember seeing that number a lot at the very beginning, um, back in early 2016. And then they kind of stopped using that MLS. Um Abbreviation? Is it called an abbreviation in a phone number? I don't really know, I, but I don't have no clue either. <laughs> they they kind of stopped using that part of it and just did the numbers. So it, I think it's kind of interesting that it listed the MLS type phone number um, in the email. Just kind of makes you go, hmm, because we know even with everything going on with Austin, that SSNE released a statement saying they're committed to bringing MLS to San Antonio. So we know that at least outwardly, they haven't thrown in the towel. So maybe that's, you know, their subtle way of saying, you know, we're still trying. <laughs> we hear you.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's going out to season ticket members. Really, the people that need to notice are MLS. So <laughs> I don't know if yeah. it's going to get to them. But I noticed as a season ticket member tonight when I got that email.
0: Well, you and I have both seen soccer Twitter is... Um, Still, really wanting to see SAFC's expansion proposal, um, despite all the stuff going on with Austin. So maybe that's just uh, a way to to say to those people, like, "Hey, we're still trying." Maybe I it's, don't know. It's total not- speculation. <laughs>
1: It's not just Soccer Twitter. I still want to see that SSN e proposal. And that's probably a bigger topic that we'll address at another time. But I still want to see it. Trust me, I really want to see it. I think we should have seen it all along. But that's just me. You don't want to do another hour and a half
0: podcast tonight?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, not intentionally. So we won't go down the rabbit hole on that one tonight. But we've got a lot of off-season time in the next few weeks to... Maybe sit down and talk a little bit more about
0: that. There you go. Um, So moving on to some USL news, some on-the-field news, I guess. Um, The USL final took place. Uh, Louisville took a 1-0 victory over Swope Park Rangers to claim the title at home at Slugger Field. Um, Not the best-played game. um, Not the best turf, but it did look better than it normally does. (laughs) I mean...
1: I mean, they did a better job than I thought they were going to do. It didn't look half bad, but it's still a baseball field covered in turf. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much
0: to say about that. I don't want to get into repeating this every week, but it's really confusing to see them partnering with all of these businesses that help build soccer-specific stadiums, but then having teams in baseball fields. So. Uh, obviously happy for Louisville that they are going to get their soccer specific stadium, but it was a little disappointing to see that played that final played in a baseball field. And, you know, the, the turf that they laid down didn't quite match and you could tell that it was new and it was shifting and, but congratulations to Louisville. That's the important part for, for them and for their fans, um, pulling home, that USL Cup trophy sounds good for And them.
1: speaking of their fans, it was a hell of a turnout on their part, especially for a Monday night at a 9 o'clock start time. That place was packed. Yeah, it was Absolutely a
0: sellout, packed. right, if I'm not mistaken?
1: Yes, it was. I think they had a little over 13,000 there for the game, which is great for a school night and a late game at that.
0: That's... It's better than the uh, NASL final that happened. I think they only had nine thousand, but that may have been a sellout too. Just different size stadium, but right. still, it, it's good that both of those games were able to get the attendance that they got. That's that's awesome. Um, and we will talk about the San Francisco Delta's a little bit at some point, I'm sure. But um, before we do that, let's talk about USL expansion and retraction because there is a ton to talk about. And I think there will continue to be a ton to talk about all this off season because they are uh, letting in like twenty different teams over the next two or three years. So
1: it seems like
0: every week we're getting a different announcement about a new city joining. At this yes. point, it's it's tough to keep up. It really is. There's, I'm determined to get pinned to paper and get something up on two ten soccer dot com. Um, covering all of the expansion teams and what year they're coming in. So we don't have to rehash this every time there's an announcement. Um, But the big announcement from Thursday morning was that North Carolina FC is officially moving from NASL to USL for the 2018 season. Uh, There were rumors about this for quite a while. There were rumors about uh, North Carolina FC not really gelling with the NASL front office and and the culture over there. So, um, you know, uh, another team for the triangle over there, which is always good for USL, I think, uh, especially a team with some history. Um, Previously, the Carolina Railhawks, if I'm not mistaken, um, from back in the Scorpions days. So I'm excited to have another old NASL rival coming up, even if SAFC never sees them. Get out of the NASL while the getting's good. Yeah, get out while there still is a league to get out of. Um, Seriously. There is, we won't talk about it tonight because it's all still so up in the air, but there looks like there may be a settlement in that lawsuit, which would keep NASL around for another two to three years. And keep um, their
1: division two standing for a temporary amount of time of yeah, some sort.
0: I, I don't know what. That's that's another topic for another day, but um, happy to see North Carolina FC and USL, even if SAFC doesn't see them until a championship just because there's so many teams in these conferences. Um, the other addition from this week that we found out about was Atlanta United is looking to establish a USL side in the general vicinity, um, which is good. It, it sounds like they're going the way of... Um, Tacoma or RGV, where they're not in the exact same market, Um, just kind of close enough to the parent club to where they can do the call-ups and send-downs and everything else. Um, So if you're keeping track, that means in 2018, we will be seeing North Carolina FC, Atlanta United's USL side, Fresno, Las Vegas, and Nashville all coming into the league in 2018. Um, That's nuts. (laughs) (laughs)
1: more two teams joining the bunch atlanta united two maybe nashville two yeah everybody's favorite
0: yeah we'll see if i wonder what happens if nashville gets mls will they still bring in their usl team like it's the same
1: ownership i would assume that they will i mean they're they're going to want to have a farm team and i'm assuming develop an academy of some sort so i would guess they would Maybe they'll get smart and move it to another city that's close by and rebrand it, but same ownership group, so it's definitely possible.
0: Knowing that the MLS expansion teams from this round are going to start in 2020, or expected to start in 2020, I would think that we'll see Nashville for at least those couple years, assuming they get the MLS expansion. Um, Yeah, that's going to be interesting.
1: Well, a, a bigger question would be, are they going to start, I would, I would assume they're going to start signing players ahead of time, you know, 2018, 2019 season that they're expecting to play for 2020 in Nashville if they get the bid. Could be. You know, that could that could be interesting seeing who they end up stealing and signing from other places.
0: I mean, that's what happened with Orange County and Carlos Alvarez. He's technically an LAFC player and played with Orange County for the year while there wasn't an LA2 to play with.
1: <laughs> yeah. I see it happening again.
0: And then, uh, so those are coming in in 2018. 2019, so far, we have Memphis, Birmingham, and Austin is announced. We will talk more about that later. Um, Obviously, there's some major asterisks with Austin, but technically they are announced as a 2019 expansion side. Um, And with all of those teams, plus the rumors of an El Paso team, another, uh, an FC Dallas USL side, another team in the Metroplex, um, and then potentially T2 moving to Boise or another market outside of Portland. Um, we, we do know that there is going to be a central conference. Uh, Jake Edwards officially confirmed that and said that we'll be getting more information in January, but that USL will have three conferences, uh, presumably a West, East, and Central. Um, Jake Edwards specifically mentioned a Central Conference, so that makes a little more sense now that the league is looking like they might actually reach 40 teams in total uh, in the next few years.
1: I'm I'm interested to see how they want to work. You know, a championship and playoffs with three conferences. It's going to get mighty confusing, mighty fast. <laughs> trying to deal with a western and eastern and a central conference champion.
0: This year with just the two, did it feel to you like there the west was one league and the east was another league?
1: It definitely did because I even even I pay attention to USL soccer more than the average person probably and I really didn't pay all that much attention to the east until we got, you know, closer to playoffs and looking at who we might pair up with, but it's, it's really like two separate leagues. Now it's going to be three separate leagues here shortly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's, I love it. I mean, the more, the more markets that have soccer, the better, um, as far as like growth of the game goes, um, I just worry about the quality and, and I hope they're able to find, I think there's plenty of players to be found that can play at this level Um, My worry is the officiating, because we've seen some horrible officiating over the last two years, and now you're putting more games onto the slate. Um, I I worry about that a little bit, I'm going to be honest.
1: They're going to definitely have to put some time and money into developing the referee pool. Getting better trained referees and more of them—that's <laughs> that's that's just going to be part of the growing pains of of these leagues at the two level and MLS expanding. They're gonna they're gonna need more people to fill those jobs.
0: Yeah. Well, a quick note about T two. Um, breaking news from Thursday night. Um, Caleb Porter, head coach of Portland Timbers senior team, uh, MLS team. Uh, Caleb Porter has been fired, uh, according to multiple reports coming out Thursday night. I'm sure we'll have more info about this Friday morning. Um, there's, ex- there's reported to be an announcement coming on Friday morning. So by the time you're listening to this, you may know more than we know tonight. Um, but my comment is that if Caleb Porter is out, um, and if it is because of the reported power struggle between him and ownership, I wonder what that does trickling down into the second team. Um, I wonder if that affects how they compete in USL and if they actually start to compete in USL like they kind of did in 2016 because 2017, they they might as well not have even been out there.
1: Yeah, no, it's it could definitely bring big changes. And that T2 move to Boise or whatever city, you know, may be part of that. Um, I know stuff I saw tonight out of the ownership group was that they were going to be looking at the potential T2 moves um, after the 2018 season. They're beginning to explore it. So the earliest we'd see something out of T2 possibly moving would be 2019, most likely. Uh, But yeah, this could drastically change the Portland structure out there.
0: So moving on to additional bad news, (laughs) I consider Caleb Porter getting fired bad news. That's a bad look for soccer. You're talking about a coach that's potentially our next U.S.
1: men's national team coach. I mean, Ooh, he's he's got
0: to be in the pool, right? That could be cool. That would actually be a pretty nice turn of events if this firing led to him leading the U.S. men's national team. I mean, he's one of the best, best coaches in MLS. He's got to be under
1: consideration. At least I would think so. Damn. Obviously, that's going to be something for the new USSF president to decide, but I would throw his name in the hat.
0: Man. I didn't even think about that until just now. I was just thinking about league play. That could be pretty sweet, actually. I would be all for Caleb Porter taking over the national team.
1: Um, Could mean good things. Could mean very good things.
0: uh, Not so good things coming up for Rochester, unfortunately. They did announce a statement that, uh, release a statement, rather, that was pretty reminiscent of the one we got from San Francisco Deltas earlier in the year where ownership basically came out and said, hey, we don't have the money to keep this going. Um, so Rochester needs $1.3 million to save the team. Uh, otherwise, they face you know folding or at least leaving USL competition. Um, you want to take us through what specifically they need? Do you have that in front of you, Larry? Um,
1: they were looking for $1.3 million, and they did outline a plan basically to make that money up. Um, they don't currently have a jersey sponsorship. Um, I guess they've been shopping it for a while, and at some point were offering it for $75,000 as a jersey sponsorship deal, and they couldn't sell it at that price. Now they're asking for ex- – saying that they would like $160,000 for that Jersey sponsorship, uh, 2,500 new season ticket members and a portion of the hotel tax revenue up in Rochester, uh, to make up the difference. And I mean, it's a lot of money and a lot of season ticket members and the timeline is short. They're, they're talking about folding within a month if they don't come up with the money.
0: Awful. That's so crazy that it's such a short amount of time that they have to do this. Um, The jersey sponsor really surprises me um, with how much exposure USL gets and how regional that league is. You would think that if, you know, a a company that has a footprint in the East put their name on their shirts, like that's free advertising to thousands of people every week. I'm surprised that they haven't been able to market that yet.
1: You know, uh, when I was reading about this, it seems like a lot of... Mid-level businesses are interested in being small time sponsors for the team, but there's just not a lot of drive from big business like we have here in San Antonio with Toyota and things like that as H-E-B is sponsors. Yeah. Those Jersey sponsors just don't seem to be there. And if they are, they're not interested. Um But it seems like it's a plight that's facing more than just the Rochester Rhinos there. Um, They've got five mid-level teams uh, across many different sports from hockey to lacrosse, and they all seem to be struggling as a whole out there. So it may just be the city of Rochester as a whole. They may just have a problem with lower division sports out there.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I I won't pretend to know the ins and outs of it, um, but our friend Brendan Doherty from the USL show um, he had a lot of strong things to say about that ownership group and how they have, uh, run that club poorly. So I I'd love to chat with him. I think we should try and get him on the podcast at some point in the next couple of weeks as this un- unveils itself. Um, but yeah, I I'm bummed Rochester's the only lower division team to win the U S open cup. They are one of the oldest teams, uh, in North America uh, as far as you know running consecutively so I'd be pretty bummed if they folded just from a, a principle standpoint
1: it's not good for the league but I mean with so many new teams coming in somebody's gonna step in and fill that void pretty quick it's not gonna be in Rochester most likely but there's gonna be plenty of teams to fill that spot in the lineup for the league
0: yeah for sure I'm I'm not worried about it at all for me League standpoint or from an image standpoint of the league. It's more of just, you know, soccer heritage type stuff. I feel like we're missing a lot of that with so many new clubs. Um, San Antonio being one of them, obviously, like, yeah, you know, nothing you can do about it. But, you know, it's a new face
1: for the USL, which, I mean, it's exciting to see this this league growing as fast as it is. Uh, but, yeah, it's an opportunity for a lot of these teams to set some of that heritage,
0: those heritage items up for the future. Um, the other thing that we saw, um, I'm trying to pull up the actual statement here. Um, it looks like Cincinnati, FC Cincinnati, Um, there was a statement released uh, and within it, uh, it didn't seem like it was a public statement, but within it, it basically said that if FC Cincinnati does not get an MLS bid accepted, um, then they would be cutting back on spending for the club. Um, I need to find that actual statement, but Um, one of the things that has always worried everybody about all of this MLS expansion race is the idea of, um, you know, what happens to these markets that don't get MLS. And, you know, San Antonio, for example, if San Antonio didn't get MLS, I don't think much would change. I feel like this club is built to be a pretty successful USL club no matter what. Um, But places like Cincinnati and... You know, Nashville potentially. We'll see how that comes out. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Oh, here we go. Um, it's reported by Charlie Hatch on Twitter. Um, per an independent study from a law firm, it says um, this is a quote from the study. As discussed above, if the MLS bid is unsuccessful, the FC Cincinnati owners are planning a significant downsizing of the team to make its scale more consistent with that of other teams in the USL. So, what that means, we don't know specifically. Um, it's not like they're, you know, running their own stadium or anything like that. So maybe player salaries or um, how many tickets they're giving away or the price point of the tickets. I I don't know, but
1: they've got cheap tickets out there in Cincinnati. I mean, <laughs> they're cheap tickets. <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, I, that worries me as as a fan of USL and as a fan of, you know, these big like organic looking fan bases. It worries me to think that some of that's going to go away just predicated on MLS or not.
1: It's it's going to be tough to see but it's 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 really hard to call right now what's going to happen. There's so much up in the air with a lot of these cities that are bidding. Cincinnati's one that has a lot up in the air. And it's tough to call what's going to happen with the fan bases in the future. I, I agree that San Antonio seems to be set up in a pretty good spot. Obviously, there are some other factors that could be involved with that one. If we have affiliations with Austin, that's another topic for another day. But... <laughs> Yeah, that's another hour show right there. We're not we're not, like lining we're not... Up our <laughs>
0: off-season topics, man.
1: <laughs> hey, let's get them lined up now so at least we know what to expect. We can be ready <laughs> when we get there. Uh but yeah, I know it's going to it's it's going to be interesting to see what plays out with this.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm just bummed about Rochester. I'm bummed about the potential of Cincinnati downsizing. I, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope USL keeps growing and and we don't run into all that. Um On the other USL news, um, you want to take us through Harrisburg City Islanders?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Harrisburg City Islanders have today announced that they are rebranding to Penn FC. Uh, Apparently, they've been working on this rebrand for a while, and it's based on the evolution of the team and its position within the city. Um, So, they thought a rebrand was a good idea. Um, They are actually partnering now with the Rush Soccer Group, and they are the first pro-level team to be partnering with Rush Soccer. Uh, Rush Soccer runs an academy of sorts across 40 different countries. They've got about 40,000 kids uh, playing in their academies. Um, The big name that everybody's going to recognize as a Rush alumni is Christian Pulisic. Apparently he was up at rush soccer michigan in the past uh before he made his his big jump over to europe uh so i mean they've got some some big names that have come out of the rush soccer family in the past Um, but it seems like it's going to be good for them you know more unified pennsylvania as a whole in that area and hopefully bring in some new youth players into their their group and give those kids a top tier team to have the opportunity to eventually move up to
0: yeah. Anytime you're getting youth players involved with professional clubs, I think that's a good thing and a positive step. And as far as the name change, I actually dig it as much as I normally don't like blank FC names. Uh, how do you feel about the new name Penn FC instead of the Harrisburg City Islanders? I mean, you know, got Penn
1: state up there and everything else, you know. I've got family up in Pennsylvania and there Penn is a big thing for them up there. It's Penn everything. So, I think it fits the area, it fits the team. The logo didn't look bad. It's a little simple, but it seems to seems to do them good. So, I'm excited for it. It's going to be good for the league and good for that team.
0: So, a little bit of a surprise here moving on to some SAFC rival talk. Um OKC Energy and um, head coach Jimmy Nielsen have parted ways. Um, According to Sock Takes, um, multiple sources have informed that uh, Jimmy Nielsen has left the Oklahoma City Club, taking his staff, Mark Howard, Chris Spinlove, and James Ritchie with him. Um, Going through the article, uh, I definitely recommend you check it out, but Um, There's a couple different reasons as potential reasons for it. Um, Part of it is that um, there's a source saying that their player budget was reduced. Um, Part of it is saying that he does not have his um, UEFA A coaching license, um, which uh, would have required a waiver for... um, for him to to coach at that level of waiver with USSF. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll have to see specifically um, what happened. But I guess there is a statement from James Poling um, saying from Jimmy Nelson, I had four amazing years here. It was incredible time, but it's also time for a new challenge. I respect the ownership tremendously. We couldn't come to a new agreement, but I don't envision that changing the relationship we have moving forward. Um, Obviously, OKC Energy uh, is the biggest challenge for San Antonio FC, and now they are without their previous head coach and potentially without some of their players if that little bit about their players' salary being cut is true. Um, So how do you feel about that, seeing one of the rivals kind of diminish here a little bit?
1: I mean, it could be good for SAFC in the big scheme of things. Obviously, it's a big void for OKC to fill. It was kind of a surprise. I wasn't expecting to see that this morning, that he had left and taken his whole staff with him. I mean, three past three years, they've made it to the playoffs three times. They've made it twice to the Western Conference Final. Doesn't seem like the kind of change you'd want to make, but obviously there was some underlying causes that that made it happen. I hadn't actually heard that player salaries were involved that's that may be a bigger factor here than anything if they're going to lose players too for what's going to happen with their rivalry with SAFC going forward
0: well that goes back to the potential FC Dallas 2 team and something that we talked about months ago where there was a report coming out of an Oklahoma City newspaper Um, That basically said uh, all USL owners hate MLS two teams, which um, after some not too difficult investigation, come to find out that that seems like it was sourced directly from the Oklahoma City energy into that newspaper. Um, So, you know, FC Dallas creating their own USL side eliminates the affiliation between Oklahoma City and FC Dallas meaning that they lose those FC Dallas players and we've seen a lot of success from a few of those players in the the past two years so uh, I hate that you know I hate to see any club spending less money uh, <laughs> but um you know that's that's part of this league I guess at this point and you can't rely on loans from another club to run your club.
1: Are you sure? I mean, RGV seems to do that. Oh, RGV.
0: (laughs) Well, it got got Swope Park all the way to the finals, loaning down sporting KC players. I'm surprised we didn't see Graham Zusey and Dom Dwyer when he was (laughs) with them before he went to Orlando.
1: Oh, geez. Yeah, that would have been something to see.
0: Uh, Anyway, now that we've complained about Oklahoma City, I think it's time to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit of uh, Austin news that has to do with USL and MLS. Um, We'll talk a very small bit on MLS expansion, and we'll talk men's national team and your Twitter topics. So thank you so much for listening. We will be right back. Are back, thank you so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. Um, again, if you haven't already, we'd love it if you could take the time to follow our new account on Twitter at TX Soccer Radio. Again, it is a brand new account, it's not just a uh, changing of the name like the podcast feed was. So, if you want to stay up to date on all things to do with the podcast, follow at TX Soccer Radio. Um, And you know what? I actually think I have a SAFC lanyard left that we haven't given away yet. So um, for everyone following um, at TX Soccer Radio by, let's say, you know, Monday, since we won't have an episode next week, for everyone following over the weekend, um, we'll enter you into a drawing and I'll uh, give away that SAFC lanyard. So there you go. little little mini prize hidden here in the middle of the episode. Um, Anyway, getting back to it, let's start with Austin. Um, Big news out of there is uh, a couple different statements. Uh, A lot of talking, not a lot of action, but we'll talk about the talking. Um, First one, USL is officially on hold in Austin until a decision is made about the MLS move. We had speculated on that. We kind of assumed that going forward. Um, But Bobby Epstein and and the group made it official with a statement saying that um, they are putting the hiring of staff and everything on hiatus until the MLS drama plays out. So, uh, Larry, I I have a feeling I know how you feel about this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How do you feel about this? (laughs)
1: I mean I think it's the obvious decision For Epstein to to go on hold With USL until Austin shakes out He may be waiting a while In that regard Uh, But at least they haven't started building a stadium I was out there for the F1 race A few weeks ago And I was standing in the middle of where the field's supposed to go And it's (laughs) still just a big empty field They threw some soccer goals up At either end of the the spot Where it's going to go in um, To kind of give people an idea It is not an ideal location i would say it's very small and very cramped it's squashed right up in the middle of this track behind the current austin 360 amphitheater um if you guys have ever been out there it literally goes right up to the back edge of the lawn seating section uh so it's going to be interesting and i don't blame them at all for waiting to hear how things shake out
0: i mean I think USL-Austin would be pretty darn cool, Uh, especially that San Antonio-Austin rivalry if neither one of them got MLS. I think that would be some of the most fun games in North America, potentially. And I'm kind of bummed that we're probably not going to get to see that.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's, like I said, I think it's an obvious choice on his part. Yeah, it could be very fun. Even if there is an MLS team in Austin, it could be fun. Um, It may keep us from... Potentially becoming Austin too down here, yeah. <laughs> and you know I would be fine with us kicking butt for with against the Austin team at USL team there, you know, a couple times a year. That'd be great.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure it's very frustrating for that entire group because they finally got all their ducks in a row to get back into USL, uh, only to have everything flipped on its head with this pre-court MLS potential move. So I feel for him and it's kind of a bummer, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah, definitely. With that uh, PSV MLS shenanigans. um, Let's talk about that a little bit. There were some conflicting statements this week um, when pre-court sports ventures and MLS met with a few different groups from Columbus who were seeking to keep the crew in Columbus. Um, Conflicting statements between the two, and they're fairly long statements, so I won't read through the whole thing. Um, You can find those just about anywhere on the internet at this point, but um, it's very interesting to me that both sides, to me anyway, it seems like both sides are blaming each other. Am I reading too much into that?
1: Well, first off, you use the right word. Shenanigans is the word for all of this. <laughs> um yeah, it's pointing the fingers. It's he said, she said at this point and you've got the ownership group and the mayor was there saying it's PSV's fault and PSV's coming back and saying it's their fault and people are refusing to talk to each other. It's a whole bunch of shenanigans out there. It's I don't know. <laughs> I It's a bunch of showing off is what it is.
0: <laughs> I think it's really Interesting. I know that the public opinion is overwhelmingly against pre-court and against MLS and against moving the crew. And I'm not trying to make that argument because that's a whole show in and of itself. <laughs> um, but don't worry,
1: folks. We have already decided that's going to be a show at some point. <laughs> and... We've got some differing opinions between the two of us on some of that stuff. So yeah. it'll be. It's coming. I, I promise just it's gonna coming. I was
0: going to say, Larry and I do not agree on everything. Um, one of those things being Austin. Um, but one thing that I've thought interesting from these statements is it felt like MLS expected the Columbus group to have concrete plans, concrete new plans to try and keep the crew in Columbus. And it seemed like even before the meeting, the Columbus group was positioning this as the first of many steps and just making contact and starting the conversation. So it kind of felt like the two groups had different agendas from the start. And so I wonder how that meeting came to be and how it was positioned between the two. Because if one side is thinking like, this is where we're going to get all the concrete info and we're going to make our decision from here which is how MLS came off in their statement and then the other side is saying we're not going to compete you're going to tell us that you're not going to Austin and then we'll figure everything out from there um not saying that's right or wrong I'm just saying that's kind of how their statement kind of uh, read with the whole great cities don't compete uh statement but it's just really interesting to see the the dynamic between those two and how they may have not been on the same page even before the meeting about what the meeting was going to be about. So purely North American soccer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if there's anything the last few weeks have shown us, it's that they're not on the same page. And I can't expect that a meeting like this would have changed that. I think you're right. Columbus came came to the meeting expecting to, you know, Let's start talking about this. Let's start a dialogue. And from everything we've seen, at least in my opinion, pre-court and MLS seem to have their mind made up already. So unless something was plopped in their lap where it does nothing but benefit them from the Columbus group, it, they had already made up their mind at that point. And it, it kind of seems like it went the way I expected it to, to be honest.
0: I mean, it definitely seems like MLS has already made up their mind that they're moving to Austin. Um, I, I'm definitely not arguing that. It just kind of, it's like, why even have the meeting if you can't even agree what the meeting is about or what the intentions of the meeting are, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, its it's got to be frustrating for, I think it's probably more frustrating for the Columbus group, obviously, but it's got to be frustrating for both sides that they can't even get a basic dialogue going. And to have... Obviously, this is part of the finger pointing, but the PSV group coming out and saying, oh, Columbus has refused to talk to us any further now. Right. And I kind of feel like that may be them using it as an out so that there's a legitimate reason why they can move the team and help justify it. Because the Columbus group no longer wants to deal or talk about how we're going to go move forward with this this, uh, potential deal to keep the crew in Columbus.
0: Yeah. Well, you and I both have been watching, um, everything with MLS to Austin, hashtag MLS to ATX or whatever. Um, and uh, please, um, you know, let me know if you disagree with this, but I feel like everything I've seen, it has not been statements of, we think Austin is a neat potential city. It's, we think Austin is a great city and we are going to move here, um, that nothing in any of the statements that we've seen or or any of the speeches or anything that they have done in Austin on the Austin side of it makes it sound like there's even a question uh, in their mind anyway.
1: Nope. Don't disagree a bit with it. And it's, it was there before even pre-court came into this whole mix. I mean, we've heard Don Garber comment in the past about Austin. He just loves to gush over it. So even without pre-court involved, this was this was always a big possibility. They want it. They want it bad.
0: Yeah, I remember listening to Grant Wall's podcast back uh, during South by Southwest where he was gushing over Austin. And it's frustrating. Uh, it's frustrating now that the timeline is kind of coming out and it's looking like this has been going on for years. <laughs> Speaking of, we haven't heard much of anything about uh, Judge Wolf and DA Nico Hood's investigation into MLS. Uh, I very much look forward to seeing what they come up with and what their plan of action is. If anything, um, I don't expect anything, to be honest with you, uh, as far as action. Um, but we'll we'll keep an eye out for sure. They're taking the SS and E route with this. Just trust the process it'll (laughs) happen trust trust the process two guys that are going for re-election right now that are probably more worried about that yeah you're probably right i digress my distrust of politicians aside um moving on to other mls expansion uh candidates or a mls expansion candidate since austin is not an expansion candidate um Cincinnati came out last week toting their great stadium plan and how they were going to pay for the stadium with private funds and not ask for any tax money, and everyone applauded them, and it was a great week-ish until uh, it came out that they were going to ask for some infrastructure costs. Um, yeah,
1: because infrastructure costs aren't stadium funds. We're going to plop down $200 million for our stadium, but the infrastructure, city's <laughs> on the hook for that. Let's put it in the hotel tax, $75 million worth of hotel tax.
0: Yeah, so that's that's what um, FC Cincinnati is asking for is uh, 70 to $75 million of hotel tax money to uh, infrastructure involved with building a soccer-specific stadium for an MLS team, um, which, if I'm not mistaken, got shot down by the city or is expected to get shot down by the city.
1: Shot down by the city already is my understanding. There you go. Supposedly the money's available and, and they've got like 2.8 million dollars sitting sitting in this hotel tax fund that's not getting used and that's what they're going after but it's I mean that's a lot of money to ask for 75 million dollars for infrastructure costs that's crazy.
0: I mean it makes sense like if you have to build the roads or you know tear down any buildings or reroute anything like that sh- that can get expensive but to come out and make it sound like you're not going to be asking for tax money and then turn around and ask for a shit ton of tax money like come on come on
1: yeah and it, you know it it may kill it may kill the bid for the team to be located in Cincinnati but Newport's still across the river and it's supposedly still on the table so i mean they may not be completely out of it but their expansion race has definitely taken a big hit by the infrastructure costs being denied
0: You know, as uh, I keep going back to this stupid Austin City Council meeting that we watched all day (laughs) (laughs) last week. Um, But as tedious as parts of that were, um, one thing that I have to commend the Austin City Council on is they grilled Dave Greeley about um, the actual cost that PSV was committing to. Um, Because the initial statement was that PSV was going to pay for the stadium and the Austin City Council person um, kept using different phrases and different, you know, basically wanting to make sure that building the stadium was not going to cost the city any tax dollars, period. Like building and operating and and everything else. Um, And to their credit, they said that they were going to cover that. We'll see as time goes on if that actually happens. But... Um, it's a shame that Cincinnati didn't ask those same questions because they would have found out sooner that it was not the case (laughs) and that even though the club would pay for the stadium, that was not the whole bill. Yeah. And I'm, I'm backtracking a little bit
1: here, but I believe the date in regards to Austin that they're supposed to reconvene, um, in, in regards to the research that they were asking to have done be, be done about, uh, public land availability and some of those green spaces. I believe it's December 5th is when they're supposed to get the results from that, that inquiry. So that'll probably be when we're starting to talk a little bit more about that. I know you guys want to hear our opinions, differing opinions on Austin, and that'll probably be a good time to cover that once we have an, a little bit better idea of the logistics of MLS and the Columbus crew actually maybe making the move and what land is available to them
0: people are gonna hate me <laughs> <laughs> but at least they'll like you huh? hey i mean yeah you've already gotten
1: your fair share of twitter hate about it yeah, and we can go down that road again in december you know it's it. the season of giving and people are going to be giving hate your direction but that's <laughs> that's just what
0: it is right there's not a limit on how many accounts you can mute right that's no you just you just keep hitting the button just keep hitting the button Um, so that's, that's pretty much it as far as MLS expansion and Austin and Cincinnati and everything goes other than, I do want to ask you, Larry, just to kind of gauge where you think we are right now, since we are getting closer and closer to an official announcement of which, uh, markets get those first two slots. Um, who are your two that you're thinking are going to get those first two?
1: Nashville and Sacramento done deal. They've got the stadiums ready to go. They've got those plans in place. They're the only two teams with that. They're ready to break down, break ground, and make it happen. So I think it's no brainer to put in Nashville and Sacramento.
0: I I agree with you. I'm pretty sure Phoenix is ready to go too, if I'm not mistaken. I need to check with uh, our friend Kyle Kepner on that, but I'm pretty sure he told me a while back that everything like doesn't need approval because of where the stadium is uh, and they it's already have on- the land.
1: Yeah, it's on Native American land out on one of the reservations, I believe, so they don't have as many hoops to jump through. It's close to the current site of the pop-up stadium, is my understanding, but they might be close, but Nashville and and Sacramento seem to have the complete package. Phoenix will definitely be flashy and random interjection here, now that you got me on topic with Phoenix. Uh, Drogba is apparently uh, retiring after the 2018 season he announced this week, so... I don't know if that'll play into it at all. Supposedly, he's taken a management position from the original signing with the club after he was done playing, but that's on the horizon, too. Now we get one more season of Didier Drogba out in Phoenix.
0: Well, I'm sure the three games he plays all season are going to be really fun to watch. I can't wait for that. (laughs) I hope one of them's in San Antonio. That's all I hope. I really do, too. I, I kid about Didier Drogba, but it would be cool to see him in person.
1: Agreed. I was really disappointed when he did not make his season debut in San Antonio in their game here earlier in the season. Yeah.
0: Um, So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be Sacramento and Nashville. And and unless something crazy happens, I I don't know who else could pass those up right now, Um, especially with Cincinnati's stadium getting a little more complex. So. We'll see. I don't think San Antonio's in the running as long as the Austin drama is going on, and as long as they're threatening to sue the league. <laughs> God, yeah, I can't say that. Shoot with a ourselves in the face, Jesus!
1: Christ, shoot ourselves man. in the foot there. Yeah, that's it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. We should never have said anything like that. But uh, too late now.
0: What's done is done. If you're gonna go down, man, go down swinging. Um, I did ask just out of curiosity, and I, I won't make this a whole long thing, but. I did ask on Twitter a few days ago, for people who are anti-MLS right now and are turned off about how everything has gone down with Austin, if Austin fell through, would you still want MLS? Or if um, both markets could have it, would you still want MLS? And it was kind of interesting to hear people's views because some people said, absolutely not. It's a horrible league. Other people said, I don't love the league, but I want Division One soccer and... Yeah, it's it's interesting, but I, I don't think they're going to come to a market that is actively pursuing le- legal action at the moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably not. So then the next big thing becomes rel. Are we going to have that? No, we're not having that discussion tonight, but ProRel is on the table. That might be our <laughs> way in in the future.
0: So let's get away from club soccer now that we've sounded Ted's alarms for pro rel. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the U S men's national team, not going to dive deep here, but they did squeak out a one, one draw against Portugal. I really shouldn't even say squeak out. It was a pretty even match. Um, West yeah. McKinney scored a goal in his debut, uh, future of us soccer right there. Move aside. Christian Pulisic greatest ever. <laughs> Weston McKinney. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hopefully he'll be right there with Christian Pulisic yeah. side by side doing their thing.
0: Yeah, I kid, but I am excited to see a lot of these kids get more minutes, and I say kids. They are fully ready to play senior minutes, um, so I, I was excited with that um, that squad that got called up and who ended up playing, and... Um, who who do you see as the leader of this team right now like i don't think we're going to see michael bradley and tim howard and a lot of these other guys being called back as time goes on so who do you see as maybe the captain or maybe just like the the emotional leader of the team for the next year or two or maybe this whole cycle
1: uh, I think we're it's going to be a little while before we see some meaningful meaningful play in that regard, and, and we really see who's getting in there. But looking at this game and the senior talent they called in, you know, John Brooks really seemed to be stepping up um, and 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 taking control of the team and giving some of that senior leadership that those younger players. We had several eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old players on the on the team this time around, uh, which is something we need to see for the future. But you know. John Brooks seemed to be putting himself in that position to hopefully help lead this team in the future and, and, and get us where we need to be down the road. And that's it's good to see somebody else stepping up because, like you said, you know we're not going to see Michael Bradley forever, and somebody's going to have to step in there. And why not
0: John Brooks? Yeah, we may not see Michael Bradley ever again for the U.S. anyway. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, that's true. I, I'm i still going with Christian Pulisic for right now. I don't know if you saw the thing he wrote for the Players' Tribune Um Pretty recently, either this week or last week. Um, but that guy, there's a lot going on up in that head. And um, I think that he showed like that fiery passion um, in the games that he's had already. And uh, obviously, he's got the talent level. So I think if he can, you know, continue having that type of mentality, I, I think he could really be that bridge between. Uh, You know, John Brooks and DeAndre Yedlin and some of these quote unquote older players and uh, some of the new kids that are getting their first and second caps going forward. Um, Whenever Pulisic joins the team again, of course, he's not going to play for these meaningless matches, nor should he.
1: I'll be honest, I didn't get a chance to read through his statement. I I did see it, but I didn't get time to read through it. So I I missed out on that one and we're going to have to take your word on that.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely worth taking a look at. The players tribune in general is is pretty cool. They you know, they definitely have their ghost writers from time to time. There's no way that some of those athletes are writing some of those pieces, but um it was it was interesting for sure, and I recommend people checking that out. Um but the next time we'll see the US in action will be against Bosnia on January twenty eighth in California at Stubhub Center. Um, so that'll be interesting to see, uh, and that's not until January. So it'll be interesting to see the squad or it'll be interesting to see the starting 11 or the 18 and kind of what shape that team is going to take. Maybe even the coach. <laughs> um, I, yeah,
1: I don't know if we'll see the coach that soon, but hopefully we'll start, we'll continue to see these younger lineups so that we can get a better look at talent that's coming up for the future. Cause we're going to need them. We're what two years away from, Meaningful play again. So
0: Well now don't know how many
1: of these senior players are gonna be back.
0: Now that he's not doing anything for a few months, get Caleb Porter in there. Like I feel like he would be a unanimous decision no matter who the president was at the time. Like that I feel like the, the hindrance was trying to pull him away from Portland, but now that he's not with them, man, I think that'd be dope. But Next
1: few weeks will probably tell a lot in that regard.
0: Speaking of Bosnia, they are going to be in San Antonio a few days after they play the U.S. on January 31st in the Alamo Dome. They will be taking on L3 as Mexico faces off against Bosnia um, in a World Cup warm-up, World Cup tune-up. Can you call it that in January? I'm not really sure. Yeah, I
1: guess. Another friendly game. More
0: friendlies. Um, However, we, we did get an announcement We'll talk about this more another time because there's still some details that need to be released. But um, we did get an announcement that the CONCACAF League of Nations is happening and it will include all 41 member nations of CONCACAF. So that'll be interesting to see a lot more meaningful matches between these national teams. Um, And it could be a little complicated with the MLS schedule and with some of the players being in Europe. You know, you don't want to see... Christian Pulisic and some of these other guys getting shipped all the way from overseas for one match or or a handful of matches. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But it's
1: where we're going to see that youth talent pool hopefully shine. You know, it's with so many more matches. I'll expect so many more matches being on the schedule with that youth talent and the new up-and-comers for the U.S. men's national team. Go, those guys will be getting call-ups because, like you said, we're not going to be pulling Polisic and some of those other players that are abroad back and forth all the time. Yeah, Save them for the big games and, and let some of our younger players that are in development take on some of the, the games earlier in the, the tournament.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine you'd be pulling Polisic over to face off with, like, Curacao or, or something like that. Like, I don't know. Obviously, you would for, like, Mexico or Jamaica or Costa Rica, but... You know, there's a lot of not so great teams in Concacaf that I think he uh, could sit out and we would be okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of speaking of not being okay, <laughs> I, I started to say it and then I paused and then I figured I might as well just finish it. Just um, go through it. Just I wasn't do it. I wasn't going to put my opinion out there right off the bat. Um, I was going to ask you new. 2018 national team kits. Um, They have not been officially announced, but there's enough rumors going around about these images that have leaked and these renderings that have been made um, that I feel pretty safe saying that we know what the 2018 kits are going to look like. Um, Larry, how do you feel about the 2018 not World Cup kits?
1: You know, they're not the Waldo kits. They, They are... I feel like they're an improvement. They look really good. They're different. They're not something we've seen before um, with the separated stripes. The alternates look – the the dark alternates look awesome too. I was a big fan of the World Cup jerseys that we had. I would love to see more – not World Cup, Gold Cup. Sorry about that. The Gold Cup jerseys were amazing yeah. and especially – my bit, my favorite was actually the training top they had <laughs> – those things were awesome. Whoever did those designs, they should be bringing those guys back, that design team back, and just let them design all our jerseys from here on out. Because they put a really well, really nice kit together for the Gold Cup, and I hope the team that did those did these. Because this is a change, but it's it's good. It's a it's
0: it's good. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. It's a great kit. I wholeheartedly disagree with you. Really I hate these kits. I don't know why. I. I love the weird kits. I love the America AF kits, <laughs> but I, I don't mind the away kit, the blue one, um, but the home one, the white one with the like sound bar across the whole thing. I'm not a fan. I I usually love crazy stuff like that, but I think what did it is before the Trinidad game, when we first saw these renderings, Somebody took that white top and turned it, rotated it um, clockwise by 45 degrees, so it was on its side, and the bars decreasing um, were the U.S. National, the U.S. men's national team's chances for qualifying for the World Cup uh, in graph oh form.
1: <laughs> I never saw that. I'm glad I never saw that. I, oh, God, no. I feel God, like that no, don't it even... for me. <laughs> oh well yeah yeah no i like these kits i really do i now that why'd you have to put that in my brain that is horrible i'm just here to ruin things for everyone (laughs) so let's just roll out the gold kits kits forever now like that let's just do that
0: (laughs) i loved the gold cup kits man those uh the red and blue with the stars down the sides i'm so sad that they were so expensive because i couldn't justify dropping 150 on a shirt but they beautiful
1: i was literally just looking this morning at them because there was some sort of sale going on and i was hoping that the price had dropped on them so that i could buy one and i was really disappointed they had
0: not <laughs> really disappointed they hadn't i want one i want one so bad the the thing about these kits, the 2018 kits, is that they're always going to be the ones that the U.S. missed the World Cup on. Like, no matter what kit they put out, I think they're always going to sell fewer than they expected because they're the ones tied to the cycle where the U.S. missed the World Cup. You know what I mean?
1: Well, you know, they've got... Two years now, maybe, maybe, well, four years until the next World Cup. You know, maybe they won't be there. Maybe we'll have a different kit by then. Yeah. That's a lot of time. And this one floating around out there, they've got plenty of time to design something new and, and fresh and bring a new, new look to the table. Yeah. Get away from that.
0: We'll see what they wear to the uh, World Cup Nit tournament that is bound to happen with the U.S. and Italy and all the other teams that missed out.
1: <laughs> you might see them there, like you, honestly, you might see them there just because that's all they have. But maybe, maybe by World Cup time, we'll have a new kit, something, something special to look forward to. If you do want a a Trinidad and Tobago u.s men's national team game hat they're clearing those things out for 10 (laughs) bucks a piece right now (laughs) saw that today i think ten dollars is probably too much to be asking for that but
0: (laughs) if i was a fan of the mexican national team or the costa Rican national team or one of our big rivals i would buy that hat and wear it constantly (laughs) just a troll just a troll um, I
1: couldn't blame you for that. Yeah, that'd be good.
0: Before we call it a night, we do have two um, Twitter topics that will hit relatively quickly. They're kind of big topics, but they're also topics that we don't really have an answer for, a concrete answer for.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so George asks, NWSL to San Antonio, um, how, likely, how likely to be successful would it be? Um, so having a professional women's team in san antonio uh a top division professional women's team in san antonio i should say um i think that'd be awesome like especially you know get a rivalry going with the houston dash and that kind of thing it'd probably be good for both clubs um do you think it could be successful in san antonio I
1: think it'd be awesome to have them here. Successful is a whole different story. I mean, I I know that we've got the Athenians here, and it seems like their turnout's been pretty much okay. I haven't gotten out to a game myself, but I don't know how big the draw would be, honestly. It'd be good for the city, but I sit here and I look at NBA, and we just purged our WNBA team here from the city and moved them to Vegas because they weren't doing that great. And I can't help but wonder if the same thing would end up happening with an NWSL team in the long run.
0: That's actually a really good point that San Antonio just lost their WNBA team. <laughs> I I wonder how those correlate um, if they correlate, but yeah, I, I think it would be a hard draw. I think it's a hard draw in any market. Um, I think it could be successful if it was in the right place and had the right overhead if it was you know not a very expensive club to run um or if you know ss ran it where they have a little more wiggle room that kind of thing um i think they would have good fan support from the supporters groups that support safc and athenians and everything else um but uh, i don't know how they would compare to some of the other teams in nwsl
1: I think you'd have to stick them in in Toyota Field. Like it, it would have to be an SSE t- run team. But would they be really, really willing to put themselves out there after the mess MLS has turned into? Do they really want to get into a second soccer team here in the city after the first one was pretty much predicated on a lie? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Hard it's to answer. tough. That's a really tough question, George. It's a really, really tough question.
0: <laughs> I think it's more complex because my knee jerk is like, yeah, women's soccer. Awesome. Let's do it. It'd be awesome. Um, but then when you look at the logistics of everything, that's a really difficult league to operate and a really difficult league to have a successful franchise in. Um, I'd love it if, as a fan. I would love it to be here. Um, but that's kind of a toss up on, on how it would do yeah,
1: I don't I don't I don't know. I don't have the answer on that one. I'm kind of in the dark on it to be honest.
0: Um, and then the other one, I don't know that we have time to flesh this whole one out. I think we would need two or three episodes for it. Um, but Daniel says how San Antonio is better market to support MLS than Austin. Um, I hate to push this one off,
1: but I think we need to pencil this question into the bigger episode of just Austin expansion talk that's certainly coming in the road ahead sometime in December, most likely. Um uh, yeah, it's that's a lot to cover all in a few minutes. Yeah. The, <laughs> it, uh, it, it deserves more time than that.
0: Exactly. I think the the bullet points, um San Antonio has more of a proven track record with the Scorpions and an ownership group in SSNE That's been successful in a lot of different ventures. Um, Austin has not had as great of a track record with their lower division soccer, but they have also faced issues that San Antonio hasn't faced. Um, And also that's not necessarily a good indicator of success in MLS as we've seen with Atlanta. Um so th- that's a really complex question. <laughs> I'm not sure that it really was a question or if you were just saying San Antonio is better, in which case totally entitled to your opinion. Um everyone is, but um San
1: Antonio is better. Spoiler <laughs> alert.
0: <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um yeah, it it's more complex than I think and I, I don't want to get into a whole thing, but I do think that Austin gets a bad rep um, for things that were out of their control in the past. And I'll leave it at that on my end, um, just because I know that's a entirely long, drawn out conversation that I'm sure we will have on another episode in the very near future. <laughs> Agreed.
1: Not going down that rabbit hole tonight. <laughs>
0: um, not to say that I'm, you know, turn on San Antonio or anything. I'm just I see value in both. Um, And that's where I'm going to end it for me. (laughs) I'm right there with you. Let's let's call it a night. In fact, let's call it a night there. That is a good call. Um, Again, one more time, if you follow us on Twitter, uh, if you used to follow us at Pitch Black News, please go out and follow at TX Soccer Radio, at TX Soccer Radio, all smudged together, um, at Pitch Black News turned into at 210 Soccer, and that is not where you're going to find the podcast news here in a few weeks, once we get the other account rolling. So, at TX Soccer Radio, um, there will be a prize drawing by Monday, probably, um, for everyone that's following. So hit that follow button and win yourself a lanyard potentially. Um, you can also follow us individually at Kyle underscore Mankey and at Larry Leathers87. Um, hear all of our rants and news and everything else. Um, Music for the podcast is provided by Mission Complete, the intro and outro music. Um, You can check out the album Emotionally Strong Enough to Be Your Man on Spotify, Bandcamp, and anywhere else. Music is available digitally. Um, We will be taking a break next week for Thanksgiving, but we will be back the next Friday morning after that. Um, So we'll be recording that November 31st. Uh, or November 30th 30th. November 30th (laughs) we will be back
1: on December 1st
0: there we go man how many days are in a month now keep changing around me right
1: (laughs) (laughs) every month is different so
0: the next episode after this will be December 1st is what you need to know if you listen to the podcast Um, we may look into doing a periscope for that November 30th recording so keep an eye out on social media for that uh, and we will let you know but Until then, I've been Kyle Makey, he's been Larry Leathers, and thank you so much for listening. Take care and happy Thanksgiving.